Tired of blogs? <laughs> Me too. Moby Lives Radio starts now. Intergalactic headquarters of Melville House Publishing in Hoboken, New Jersey, aka the left bank of New York City, it's Moby Lives Radio. Greetings, Earthlings. It's Monday, the 19th day of December in 2005. I'm Dennis Johnson. It's the 10th anniversary of one of America's most respected literary reviews, Rain Taxi. And on today's show, we'll be talking to Editor-in-Chief Eric Lorberer. And in our ongoing series of interviews with independent booksellers, we'll be talking to Rachel Wong of Atomic Books in Baltimore. But first, here's some news from the book world. The USA Patriot Act is dead. The act, reviled in the book community for allowing federal authorities to secretly spy on bookstore and library patrons, now appears set to expire after support in the United States Senate for its year-end renewal collapsed after President Bush's startling admission on Saturday that he had authorized a wide-ranging electronic surveillance program within the continental U.S. without first obtaining warrants as required by the Constitution. On Friday, after word of the illegal domestic spying program was first reported in the New York Times, several Republican senators dropped their support of the Patriot Act and voted against it, sending it down to defeat. Accordingly, in his Saturday speech, President Bush also lashed out at the Senate for not extending the act. As is his habit, Mr. Bush essentially accused the senators of killing U.S. soldiers and citizens by not supporting him, saying that their lack of support for the Patriot Act, quote, endangers the lives of our citizens. Close quote. The nation's leading magistrate accused the New York Times and the whistleblowing media of similar murderousness, saying that it was illegal to leak news of illegal activities by the president because that, too, quote, endangers our country, close quote. But opposition to that viewpoint seems to be rising rapidly, even in the president's own party, marked most significantly perhaps by the announcement by Republican Senator Arlen Specter, head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, that he would conduct hearings on the president's authorization of the domestic spying program, the president claimed constitutional authority, Specter noted, but, quote, there are limits as to what the president can do, close quote. Nonetheless, the president announced in his speech on Saturday that he would continue the warrantless surveillance of domestic phone calls and emails, and he called for a full renewal of the Patriot Act. Amidst a flurry of appearances on Sunday morning news programs of senators critical of the president's spying, however, that seemed highly unlikely. As Republican Senator Lindsey Graham noted, quote, if Bush is allowed to decide unilaterally who the potential terrorists are, he becomes the court. We cannot set aside the rule of law in a time of war. Close quote. 
Meanwhile, in a related story, while the New York Times basks in the glory of breaking the stunning news of the president's illegal activities, an equally shocking story is developing about how the newspaper of record reported the story. According to an Associated Press Wire report, Times reporter James Risen knew about and included news of the domestic spying program in a book manuscript he delivered to his publisher three months ago. The revelation is leading some to accuse the Times of sitting on the story until closer to the book's pub date in order to help one of its own sell a book. Noting that Risen's byline was on Friday's initial story of the leak, Republican Senator John Cornyn charged that, quote, the urgent story was tied to a book release and its sale by its author. Continued Cornyn, quote, I think it's a crying shame that we find that America's safety is endangered by the potential expiration of the Patriot Act in part because a newspaper has seen fit to release on the night before the vote on the floor on the reauthorization of the Patriot Act as part of a marketing campaign for selling a book. Close quote. Risen's book, State of War, The Secret History of the CIA and the Bush Administration, is due out from Simon & Schuster in January. The New York Times failed to respond to the Associated Press's request for comment. Well, no sooner did the trial of Orhan Pamuk open in Turkey on Friday than it was adjourned. After his lawyers opened the case by arguing that Pamuk's supposedly criminal comments about Turkey's role in the Armenian Holocaust were made before such comments were illegal, the judge promptly halted proceedings and passed the case back to the Ministry of Justice to decide whether the newly installed law making uh, comments denigrating to Turkey could be applied against Pamuk. The judge had done this earlier in the week, and the Ministry of Justice had refused to reconsider the case. But in the interim, the head of the European Union Committee considering Turkey's application to the EU said Turkey would not be allowed into the EU if it maintained, quote, restriction on freedom of expression, close quote. Uh, now, although the judges uh, scheduled Pamuk's case to resume on February 7th, if the Ministry of Justice authorizes the charges, many observers are wagering that the ministry will drop the charges against Pamuk. For his part, Pamuk, author of several bestsellers in the West, including My Name is Red, says the trial has qualified him as a real Turkish writer. He says, quote, Turkey honors its pashas, saints, and policemen at every opportunity, but refuses to honor its writers until they have spent years in courts and in prisons. The writer best known as Trevanian, author of best-selling thrillers such as The Iger Sanction, has died of pulmonary disease. Rodney Whitaker, who also wrote under several other pseudonyms, was for many years chairman of the radio, television, and film department at the University of Texas, and often wrote about film under his own name. But as he once explained to the New York Times, quote, I write under five different names on several subjects, theology, law, aesthetics, film, and want to keep my readerships separate, close quote. The real uh, uh, identity of Trevanian was one of the most discussed secrets of the book industry, with many speculating that it was a pen name for Robert Ludlum. But as Whitaker, who lived in France, admitted to the New York Times, quote, 
I don't even know who he is. I read Proust, but not much else written in the 20th century. Rodney Whitaker was 74. Heather Reisman, the head of Canada's biggest bookselling chain, Indigo Books and Music, has released her list of her favorite books of the year. Reisman's Heather's Picks are somewhat like being chosen by Oprah in Canada. The books she picks are always featured in displays in her numerous stores, and the selection usually results in a, a huge sales bump. Well, according to a CBC report, her selections this year included such books as My Friend Leonard by James Frey, Doris Kearns Goodwin's biography of Abraham Lincoln, and Joan Didion's The Year of Magical Thinking. But as Canadian book blog BookNinja.com has observed, one thing Reisman's list didn't include was any books by Canadian writers. And finally, a British company has announced it's marketing a line of lingerie based on Lady Chatterley's Lover, the sensational D.H. Lawrence novel. According to the Times of London, the Anne Summers sex shop in London is marketing a line of, quote, erotic underwear in tasteful purple and pink with bows, ribbons, and plenty of whalebone stays. There is also a matching blindfold, close quote. All this under the slogan, not to be banned. Lawrence's literary executors, however, are apparently incensed and would like to see it banned. They've written what the Times calls, quote, a letter of bitter complaint to Ann Summers. As the name is not a trademark, however, there seems little further they can do. Meanwhile, while it doesn't seem to be impinging on sales any, none of the items being sold are actually faithful to the novel, wherein readers will recall it seemed... Everyone was looking at John Thomas, and there were no blindfolds in evidence. And that's the news for Monday, the 19th of December, 2005. I'm Dennis Johnson. It's December 19th, and on this day in literary history, the novelist Italo Zvevo was born in 1861 in Trieste, Italy. Zvevo is the pen name of Ettore Schmitz, an Italian-Jewish businessman best known to us now for his self-published masterpiece, Zeno's Conscience, published in 1923. The novel, which showed Zvevo's interest in the work of Sigmund Freud, is written in the form of the memoirs of Zeno Cosini, written at the insistence of his psychiatrist, Pace Philip Roth. The book received virtually no attention at the time, and probably would have been lost altogether if it had not been for the efforts of James Joyce. Joyce lived in Trieste at the time, supporting himself by tutoring in English for Berlitz, and he happened to tutor Zwevo. They became friendly. Joyce read his earlier novel, Senility, which he admired very much, but which had also been largely ignored by Italian readers and critics alike. So, so when Zeno's conscience came out, Joyce vigorously championed it, helping it to be translated into French and published in Paris, where it was widely praised, and Zeno's fame spread from there. In the novel, Svevo brings a keenly sardonic wit to his observations of the insular world of Trieste 
and in particular to his hero Zeno, an indifferent businessman who cheats on his wife and lies to his psychiatrist. Zeno is trying to explain himself to a psychiatrist and to understand why he can't stop smoking. The recurring comedy and tragedy of the novel is in Zeno's always having his ultima cigaretta, his last cigarette. The excitement of feeling that he has taken control of his life and is starting anew each time he quits is so strong that he starts smoking again so that he can quit again. In Zeno's conscience, Zvevo pioneered the use of stream of consciousness and thought analysis, and the book is considered a forerunner of the modern psychoanalytic novel. It has been compared to the work of Proust and Joyce. Zvevo himself likewise smoked all of his life, and in 1828 he was hit by a car while crossing the street. He was brought home where his health failed rapidly, and as death approached, he asked his wife for a cigarette assuring her that this really would be his last one. I'm Valerie Marians, and that's this day in literary history. I know my chicken. You got to know you a chicken. I know my chicken. You got to know you a chicken. Eric Lorber, the editor of Rain Taxi, is on the line. Eric, Rain Taxi is a very strange name for a publication. Can you explain how you chose that name? Uh, well, sure. Um, it's a, a two-part homage, really. Uh, there's a, a relatively obscure artwork by Salvador Dali called Rainy Taxi, uh, but we clipped it to Rain Taxi, um, out of uh, abiding fondness for Tom Waits' Rain Dogs. Uh-huh. So those are our twin pole stars. Uh-huh. Okay. And w- how does that guide the content of the magazine? How does it represent for people who don't know the magazine yet? Shame on you, by the way. <laughs> um, but if you don't know it, how does that represent what's inside? Sure. Well, uh, we're an independent book review, and we're focused a lot on independent uh, publishing, um, uh, off-the-radar writers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very, um, you know, inspired by uh, 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 surrealism in general, um, but uh, but also there was something about um, uh, Tom Waits's irreverence, I think, um, maybe um, that uh, that feeds us. So we're uh, a, a, a recent newspaper article said we're not your your grandfather's TLS or something and that's that's about <laughs> right um, we're uh, we're trying to uh, pitch it a little more fun uh, and a little more broad-based well you must be doing something right you just celebrated your was it 10th anniversary 10 years yeah and and uh, I think you've been there for most of those 10 years as, as I recall um, you did a, a an interesting thing to celebrate the anniversary you held a, a, a an auction can can you explain that a little bit sure uh yeah this was a uh fundraiser for this anniversary season uh it's one of the things we did uh to uh, both to celebrate and to uh, uh to try to get a head start on the next 10 years mm-hmm. uh so um uh we had uh, an auction of items uh, uh most of which were given to us by uh, authors we've uh, worked with or corresponded with over the years. What kind of items? Um, everything ranging from uh, first editions, uh, 
uh, broadsides, um, artwork in some cases. Um, uh, so it was a really sp- uh, sort of unique and special uh, uh, thing to do, and mm-hmm. and uh, and we're glad we did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now there will be, uh, I assume, an anniversary issue. Yeah, that's right. That's actually just uh, shipping to stores right now, uh, and uh, uh, also available on our website, raintaxi.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's an anniversary issue that uh, it has uh, sort of examples of some of the regular kind of content that we have, author interviews, uh, reviews of fiction, poetry, drama, nonfiction, graphic novels, um, and some essay-type features. Uh, but this issue also has uh, a look back at some of the things we've done over 10 years. So what, what's included in that? Uh, just uh, really just kind of uh, some lists and profiles and, um, uh, you know, just a sort of... Uh, uh, yeah, a quick snapshot of uh, of what we're all about. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's an What's an example of one of your uh, flashback profiles? Uh, well, for example, uh, uh, we publish a comic strip by Gary Sullivan called uh-huh. "The New Life," um, and so uh, we do a little uh, a little interview with Gary um, talking about the the history of the series, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another example, we uh, work with. Uh, uh, CLMP and SPD, um, both great advocates for independent publishing in the field. We should explain uh, who that is for our listeners. Oh, sure. Uh, the Council of Literary Magazines and Presses and uh, Small Press Distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so we have little pieces on them as well. Um, so it's a, a just a, a chance to uh, step out of some of the regular... Uh, it's not just reviews. Exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But still, uh, uh, reviews are a, a real specialty of yours in this day and age when lots and lots of, of mass market publications are either dropping their book sections entirely or shrinking things down to a 150-word review of a book. Um, Rain Taxi really specializes still in this kind of in-depth, thoughtful reviewing that's becoming a rarity. Exactly. Who, who are some of the reviewers that, uh, that you work with regularly there? Uh, well, you know, uh, we've, we've worked with nearly 700 reviewers over the 10 years, um, and uh, uh, some of them are, uh, are just getting started in writing. Some of them are just uh, uh, fresh out of college or mm-hmm. grad school. Mm-hmm. Uh, others are, um, are uh, you know, we've certainly had uh, uh, some uh, very well-known names, uh, Pulitzer Prize winners and so forth, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, or, uh, you know, terrific authors uh, writing essays or reviews in our pages, uh, mm-hmm. ranging from Stephen Dixon, Rick Moody, John Yao, mm-hmm. Ricky Ducournay, people like that. So, um, but we we really like to keep it a mix. We really like to keep it fresh, mm-hmm. um, and we're really open to uh, uh, to new voices. That's part of the project. What what marks a good review for you? What do you look for when you select a reviewer and match them up with a book? Uh, sure. Well, you know, I think it's different for different publications. Uh, one thing we're trying to do is is uh, sort of inhabit the zone between um, a critical academic piece. Uh, and the kind of uh, uh, quick and sometimes not very well tutored <laughs> review that you might see in a in a daily paper. Uh-huh. Um, so we're really looking for uh, uh, for thoughtful and engaged uh, uh, work on the writing. 
Um, and again, because our specialty is uh, the kind of literary material that comes out of small presses and independent presses, um, it's really important to find people uh, sympathetic uh-huh. to uh, to that to that mode of writing and that mode of publishing. Um, and uh, yeah, so really for us, it's about the passion mm-hmm. um, as as much or more so than about some kind of evaluation. Uh-huh. Well, the ne- the other part of that is what makes you feel that a book is right for you to review in Rain Taxi? How do you select the titles for review? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we are looking for, for things that might be off the radar of, uh, of mainstream publications. Um, so we're looking very closely, again, at, at smaller presses and independent presses. Mm-hmm. Um, we do uh, uh, very healthy <laughs> uh, sections on poetry, mm-hmm. uh, which virtually, you know, no mainstream publications pay that much attention That's right. by its nature. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we're looking for works that tend to push some boundaries, whether that's uh, formal innovation or uh, uh, kind of engagement with, uh, with uh, our times or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or whether it's, you know, just sort of uh, uh, great and sometimes challenging writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things are... Uh, go into the mix. We don't really have a, uh, you know, um, a recipe beyond that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so the range is pretty wide. For example, in this new issue, uh, you'll find everything from uh, a book on the black arts movement mm-hmm. uh, to a book on the physics of superheroes, uh, the new biography of Melville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably like that one. The, the Del Banco? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. lovely book, lovely book. Yeah. Um, to, for example, uh, translations of uh, uh, new French fiction, new Japanese fiction, um, a quirky little book by a, a nine-year-old uh, British woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, um, we're just looking for, uh, for things that, uh, that you might not hear about somewhere else. And mm-hmm. some that you might, but we still want to, um, uh, you know, get our say in about them. You're not ignoring the big houses entirely. No. You no. will talk about the new Philip Roth or such. Yeah, I mean, if there's a reason, uh, we'll go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We don't... Uh, uh, in fact, sometimes people have uh, have uh, criticized us for not being exclusively small <laughs> press-oriented. And uh, again, our feeling is just that the, the art of writing doesn't work that way. It's not right. segmented that way. Right. So we're looking for good, interesting material really no matter where it comes from, but, of course, skewed heavily toward toward the, uh, the smaller presses that do get discriminated against mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in the larger review organs. So. Mm-hmm. Now, how if, if people want to get the magazine, what do they do? Do they subscribe? Do they get it on the newsstand? What's the best way? Uh, well, subscribing is always the best way to get a magazine that's interesting, um, no matter what it is, because uh, not only do you get it directly, but you, you support the, the, uh, the magazine's continued publication. Uh, so we do have subscriptions available worldwide, we, and we have subscribers, um, you know, not only across the country, but mm-hmm. thankfully uh, uh, in Asia and in Europe and, um, you know, English speakers from, from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the U.S., uh, in 48 states, uh, you can find it in uh, mostly independent bookstores, um, uh, bookstores that focus on or that have a, a strong focus on literary writing, mm-hmm. um, and 
a limited number of copies uh, are available uh, free of charge at many of those excellent excellent stores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we have a nationwide... And then there's the website. Yes, and then and then through the website you can purchase any issue, you can purchase back issues. And do you, um, do you put a certain number of articles up on the website? You know, we, we put a lot of material on the website, but it's not material that's in the print issue. It's totally different material. So wow. we have a print edition uh-huh. and an online edition. Uh-huh. And the reason there is just to, to have a way to review even more material. Uh-huh. We're just trying to uh-huh. to do as much as possible, even though there's we're only scratching the surface because there really are a lot of great books out there. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you didn't have enough to edit, so you you now have this online (laughs) uh, work as well. Yeah, there go the weekends, basically. (laughs) Well, this may be why you guys are one of the few surviving such. I mean, what is is the state of the the union right now as far as publications like Rain Taxi? It seems like um, you guys are standing tall, but many of your uh, peers are not. Uh, yes, no, that's true. Uh, last year saw the demise of uh, the Ruminator. That's true, not long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very tough out there. Um, uh, you know, and that's, that's I, you know, I think in a way it always is. Yeah. Um, uh, but... Um, what's, what's, what's the trick? How is Rain Taxi surviving? Well, <laughs> by a thread. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's partly, that's not a trick, it's just yeah. a fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I wish I wish uh, I did have a magic recipe to tell you about. Um, so, uh, but it's largely because of the support of, of uh, authors like I talked about mm-hmm, earlier, mm-hmm. Um, great presses that are that are choosing to advertise with us. Uh, we're nonprofit, so um, which is sort of a whole uh, another unusual aspect of what we're doing. Mm-hmm, we're kind of a mm-hmm. uh, a book review version of public radio or public TV. We mm-hmm. get uh, uh, support from individuals who are engaged in the mission and also from foundations and the National Endowment and so forth. Um, so, but, uh, so we cobble it together, um, but, uh, but it is tough. There's no denying it's tough for any independent venture right now, right. I think. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to take the 10-year anniversary uh, as a good sign that uh, you are doing something right and will continue to do so. Um, I know at Melville House we always feel like the coverage we get in Rain Taxi is amongst the most thoughtful of, of all the coverage we can get. So I congratulate you on that. I urge our listeners to check out Rain Taxi. Maybe start with the, with the website if you can't find it in the, in the local bookstore. And the website, once again, Eric, is... Uh, www.raintaxi.com Eric Lorber, the editor of Rain Taxi. Thanks for coming on Mobiliz Radio. Thanks, Dennis.
I've got Rachel Wong on the line from Baltimore. She's the proprietor of Atomic Books. Rachel, welcome to Moby Liz Radio. Thanks. <laughs> um, where exactly is Atomic located in, in the great city of Baltimore? Um, it is located in a neighborhood called Hamden, which is North Baltimore. And um, it's a little bit just five minutes away from the downtown area. Okay, so you're right in the heart of the city. Um, how would you describe your store? What kind of books do you specialize in? Well, we specialize in um, indie and small press, micro press things. Um, a lot of um, basically things that we just like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you're you're the co-owner, right? Mm-hmm. With with husband, uh, fiance. Why well, can't remember? Fiance Ben Ray. Right. And <laughs> where did I read the story about the uh, about about you two founding the store, but uh, but putting off the wedding or some such to use the money to to, to start the store? If I got this right. <laughs> uh, I think that was uh, in the book standard, and um, yeah, we've we've just been engaged for a million years. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I take it the engagement is going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> it's a million so. years old. <laughs> um, now, how would you, uh, can you describe for our listeners what the store looks like? Well, it's it's a tiny store. I think the square footage is somewhere between eight and 900 square feet. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty bright. It's mostly red, and uh, we have sort of like a fiery whitewash thing on the walls. <laughs> Fiery whitewash. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's sort of like a, I don't know, it's, it's pretty bright, probably brighter than a lot of bookstores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see the fiery whitewash. I'm clearly going to have to come down there. Now, weren't you guys also one of the uh, first McSweeney's 100 stores? Uh-huh, yeah, uh, we were. Uh, uh, we're going we're to have to appoint you one of the Melville House uh, uh, four, I think we're up to now. <laughs> Um, well, listen, what is selling right now this festive holiday season? What are, what are the hot books at Atomic Books? Well, um, let's see. Probably the most surprising hot book this season is a Toshin book called Cabinet of Natural Curiosities, mm-hmm. which is a pretty large coffee table size book, though it's smaller than the original cabinet, um, which I think is almost twice the size of this one. This one just has the color plates. And, there are um, two versions of this book? Mm-hmm. The original has uh, a bunch of text as well. And, uh, I mean, it's something that you can't even carry. It needs its own holder hmm. in order to, to look through it. Um, and this one just has the color plates, so it's a little bit smaller, but it's still pretty, it's still pretty heavy. You could kill someone with the book. <laughs> Wait till after the holidays, Rachel. <laughs> now, um... Uh, how expensive is that book if you have to sell it with its own holder? Oh, oh, that's the original one is two hundred, uh-huh. and this one is only we're selling it for fifty five ninety five. I see. I see. So th- this one could not kill someone. Oh, this one is still pretty heavy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you wouldn't want to drop it on your foot. Did you expect this to be one of the big sellers of, of the season? No, and I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, it's a beautiful book, mm-hmm. and um, we do sell a lot of art books this time of year mm-hmm. um, but the ones that we sell ten- tend to be more like you know lowbrow art mm-hmm. so this one is you know this is a gift that you could give to your grandmother mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, um, what else is moving? Um, let's see. We are selling a lot of uh, dirty found. Are you familiar with found? No, ma'am. You're going to have to fill us in. Um, found is a zine started by Davy Rothbart, and um, it's just a collection of found notes, letters, photos. Okay. I uh, think they have a, a website, too, if I'm not they mistaken. They do. They do. And they actually have a book um, as well. But um, they've put together a collection called Dirty Found, which is just all the more... Uh, risque photos and letters mm -hmm. that people have found that they uh -huh. weren't able to put in the regular found. Uh-huh. And, and how is it doing? It's doing really, really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What does that one go for? That one is uh, $10. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and, and can it kill somebody? Mm, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what about in, in, the, in the realm of fiction? I know you guys... Um, um, have have some great uh, uh, have a great fiction section. What's what's flying out of those shelves these days? Well, actually, right now um, the Penguin Classic mm -hmm. Candide mm -hmm. is doing really well because it has a cover by Chris Ware. Aha, uh -huh, that's right, and that's part of the the, the new uh, version of the classics that they're doing, right? Yeah, it's it's, they're like sixteen dollars or something. <laughs> it's very fancy with French flaps. The whole works. Um, it's actually it's. It does have flaps, but, um, yeah, and the, the cover is just, it's pretty gorgeous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but it's a whole series that they're doing with um, classics that they're reissuing with right. cover art by comic book artists. Right, and so those are doing well. Mm -hmm. Didn't think you'd be selling a lot of Voltaire this holiday <laughs> season, did you? No. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, new, new books, uh, n new releases? Um, I mean, new novels as opposed to uh, novels by... Um, Frenchmen who've been dead for 200 years. Yeah, probably the thing that's doing really well right now is... Well, it's not a novel, but we always do really well with the Best American Non-Required mm -hmm, series, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which has um, fiction from the past year, as right. well as other collections of... Right. of um, I think it, it has some comics, and it has a few essays. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it sounds like there were some surprises this year. What, what did you expect to be the big hits? Did you did you stock up on a couple of particular books that you thought were going to be the the items of of, of desire? Um, well, you never can tell because the problem that we always have this year is that the things that are really popular sell out really quickly. Mm -hmm. It's a problem that we had last year with. Mm -hmm. um, America the book, mm -hmm. and um, we ran out of that really quickly, and the publisher was out of stock, so we weren't able to reorder. So we're having some problems with with that, and a lot of the things that we have um, are from small presses, so the print runs aren't very large, so right. they're gone. They're gone for the season. Right. Um, so for for our listeners who don't who, who don't know the the inside baseball of of being uh, a bookstore owner. It's hard for you to, if you, if you run out of a book, it's, it, it's hard for you to get it back in stock quickly at this time of year, harder than usual? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, if the publisher is out of print, then unless they can go back to print really quickly, which most can't, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's gone. And so, it's and it's not at some kind of intermediary warehouse. Right, uh -huh, yeah. Uh-huh, So, what were those books this year? What did you run out of fast? Well, we ran out of Post Secret, though I hear that... Um, 
they're going to go back to print on that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll get some right before Christmas. Um, we ran out of Hot Damn Hell Yeah, which is a vegan cookbook. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a cookbook? Uh-huh. Hot Damn Hell Yeah. Yeah. Let me guess. It's uh, Cajun food. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of spicy stuff. <laughs> I think it emphasizes grease. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That sounds good to me. Uh, what else? Anything else? Um... Well, there's one called um, uh, the Encyclopedia of Idiotica. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of, um, but they say that we might be able to get that back before Christmas. See, uh-huh. but it's all you know, it's all up in the air. You uh-huh. never know. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, is business better, worse this year than than previous years? How is the Christmas season going on the whole? Um, so far, it's about the same. Mm-hmm. I would say that our online orders are much, much better than last year. Is that right? Yeah. That's a, is that generally an increasing part of your business? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So how, how does that work? You're, you're, you're just taking orders through your website, mm-hmm. which is, what's the URL for that? It's atomicbooks.com. And so people can go there and just buy something and you just ship it direct. Mm-hmm. Just uh, as if you were Amazon, but better. <laughs> yeah, we gift wrap everything. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You probably, as, as you're here to prove, you answer the phone as well, which is more than I can say for Amazon. But that's another story. <laughs> um, so on, on the whole, your, your, your online sales are up. What about in-store traffic? Store traffic is kind of strange. Um, it can be really crazy, and or it could not. Our neighborhood is actually um, becoming more dense. There are definitely a lot more people. Uh, moving back into Baltimore and to our area specifically, mm-hmm. so there's a lot more walking traffic than there used to be. What 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 kind of demographic? Uh, I mean, can you can you say what a typical customer is? Well, our typical customer is hard to nail down. Mm-hmm. A lot of people sort of expect our customer base to be kind of young, mm-hmm. but it's actually not. It's um, it's we have everything from teenagers to people in their seventies. So it's it's really hard to nail down, but the demographic of the neighborhood is, um, it's becoming more you know young professional mm-hmm. artists moving into the area. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to feel like you you picked a good a good spot for a bookstore. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As the neighborhood grows up around you. Yep. Um, uh, last question: What's what's the big non-book item for you this year? Well, there are two actually. Um, there's Heavy Metal Parking Lot, which is a, is on DVD for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, and our John Waters Christmas CD, which mm-hmm. are all signed by John Waters. Mm-hmm. Who, um, if I'm not mistaken, is a regular customer. Yes, Jeez. and whenever he comes by, he just signs everything. Whether he wrote <laughs> it or not. All his DVDs, his CDs, and his books. Yeah, he's, he's in there signing books by, uh, by Voltaire and whatnot. <laughs> he doesn't care, I hear. Not true, huh? No. Oh, okay. Um, well, actually, I, I lied. That wasn't my last question. The other thing that Atomic Books is known for, even if you don't live in Baltimore, you probably will hear about this on the Internet or some such, are your events, um, that you guys have great events. What What have you got between now and Christmas? Anything lined up? No, actually, this is... Oh, <laughs> such a great setup. <laughs> no, that's, it's just so crazy here in the store and, you know, online that we just don't have time for any events. I see. We tend to not have events in the, you know, from the last um, part of December. 
Okay. Well, people are just going to have to check your January calendar then yeah. when, you're, when you're recovered and, and back at it. All right. Well, Rachel, what have I missed? What, what else do people need to know about Atomic Books? Tell, what about your, your actual address for people that are listening oh, in Baltimore? We're here at 1100 mm-hmm. West 36th Street mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. All right. Rachel Wong, the co-owner of Atomic Books in Baltimore. Thanks so much for coming on Mobilis Radio, and good luck this holiday season. Okay. Thank you for having me on. And that's our show for Monday, the 19th day of December in 2005. Thanks to Eric Lorber of Rain Taxi for coming on the show, and congratulations to Eric and everyone connected with Rain Taxi on their 10th anniversary. Thanks, too, to Rachel Wong of Baltimore's great indie bookstore, Atomic Books. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk to somebody who actually lived in a bookstore, one of the world's most famous independent bookstores, Shakespeare and Company in Paris, France. But for today, that's our show. So thanks to our engineer, Eric Steinmetz, as well as the crew here at Melville House, Becky Kramer, Kelly Burdick, and publisher Valerie Marians. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. In the meantime, don't forget, that whale is out there, man. I'm a Lord, I'm a When you finish choking, cause I wanna smoke it. Lord, I'm a fool for a cigarette.
They all live together now if they could.